Okay. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to part two, the second letter of tonight's double shear. And uh, now we're on a letter, which is, what was the previous letter? It was Ches Mar Cheshvan, the eighth of Mar Cheshvan. This is a day later, Tes Mar Cheshvan. Baruch Hashem, Tes Mar Cheshvan, Tovshin Tesvav, Brooklyn. Shalom Avracha, greetings and blessings. Again, this is written to a man. Shalom Avracha means written to a man. Bracha V'Shalom means to a woman. So this is written to a man. And I don't know who it is. It doesn't say who the man was, but here we go. It is explained in our Torah, and especially <clears throat> in the teachings of Chassidus, Every individual Jew has a special mitzvah or special thing. Everyone has their special thing. And in that thing, they have to be more careful. Zahir means careful. It also has a double meaning which is luminescent. Zahiros can mean being careful, like be more meticulous, be more uh, scrupulous, but uh, it could also mean like zohar, it means to shine. And uh, this is a concept that Rebbe is going to mention <clears throat> that's elaborated upon by the Balatanya, by the Alter Rebbe, in Igeras HaKadosh, specifically in Simen Zion of you get us HaKadosh, not Igres Kadesh. The Rebbe is Igres Kadesh. The Alter Rebbe's section of Tanya is called Igeres HaKadosh. Um, so there's this concept of Zohir Tvei. It's actually the, the language, the term is from the Gemara. From the Gemara in Shabbos, Staff Kuf Yud Ches. Kuf Yud Ches Omid Beis. And over there, it uh, asks a question. Your father, which mitzvah was he most scrupulous about? Tzitzis, in this particular instance. The answer was Tzitzis, and the Rebbe is going to speak about that, actually, in the letter. At any rate, the, the term Zohir Tvei is from the Gemara, and it's explained at length in Exodus, especially in Yigeras HaKodesh, and it means every individual has their thing that they're going to be more careful about, and they're going to shine more in, and we're going to speak about this now in the letter at length. Um, the Rebbe references the source in Gemara, which we mentioned, the Gemara in Shabbos, and also in the section in Tanya Yigeras HaKadosh, letter 7. Asher mitzvah zu, the Inyan zet. This mitzvah, or this thing that is most special for a person, mishamish shar, it serves as a gate. Derech boy oilem kolinyoni atayda mitzvah shalai melamatelamayle. It is the gate through which all of his toyda mitzvahs go up, meaning all of his spirituality that he's generating, that he's doing when he's doing mitzvahs, is going up heavenward through that gate. And in turn, all of the flow that's coming downward from heaven to him is also coming through that gate. In other words, this special thing that he has, that he's extra careful about, and he expresses himself in a, in a more exuberant fashion, 
and it has more of a connection to, I guess you call his spiritual personality, his unique spiritual personality. Uh, that thing it serves as a gate. So everything else that he's involved in, it sort of funnels through that thing in both directions, if you can imagine that. Okay, so everything that's coming from above, everything that he needs, that's a, a very interesting few words, and for all of his family. Not just him as an individual, but his Zohir Tvei, his special mitzvah, is also the portal through which the blessings for his whole family are, are coming down. This mitzvah, that's your specialty, is not necessarily one that we normally consider the most serious or most grave. In other words, that's a, that's a different thing. You know, you talk about, well, what are the most, the, the most important mitzvahs, right? They talk about the, the three cardinal sins. Well, that, that, that's a different concept. We're not talking about that. That, that's also an idea. There, there is such a concept there. But here we're talking about on an individual level, there's something that could be your signature mitzvah where you really shine. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's a grave issue. It could be, so to speak, smaller thing. In fact, it's evident from the original source of this expression, that the answer to the question, what mitzvah was your father most zahir about, the answer was tzitzis. The Rebbe says, Look there in Shas, you'll see. Um, the mitzvah, tzitzis, is not a chavis gavra. You know what a chavis gavra means? Chavis gavra means that everybody has to do it. You have to do it. Like putting on tefillin. It's not a choice. You have to put on tefillin. Every Jewish man has to put on tefillin every, every day except for Shabbos and Yom Tov. Now tzitzis is a different thing. It's not a chavis gavra. You don't have to put on tzitzis. If you have a garment that has four corners, the garment needs to have tzitzis. But technically, if you don't have such a garment, you don't have a mitzvah to put on tzitzis, so you don't have the mitzvah to, to go out and buy one. Now, it is Jewish custom enshrined as halacha that we are mahad, that we go out of our way to buy such a garment that is obligated to have tzitzis, but the, the actual mitzvah itself, the nature of that mitzvah, is not something that the person needs to do. It's like a mezuzah. What, what, if, what if you don't own a home? What if you don't rent a home? What if you don't have a permanent place? Maybe you stay in a different hotel every night. So you don't have a mezuzah. You don't, you, it's not a choyvis gavra. You're not obligated to have a mezuzah. As opposed to, like, let's say, uh, shaking lulav and esrog on sukkahs. That's a choyvis gavra. You have to do that. So tzitzis not a chayvus gavra, and yet in the original source of this expression of zar that was the mitzvah that the person was zar about. Now, the Alter Rebbe explains in Igeres Hakodesh. We mentioned Simon Zion, and this is a little hashgacha pratis here because if you're watching live, this is the night of Purim. This is the night of the Purim Soda. And this was not planned. I didn't even think about it or notice it until today when I was, again, preparing this letter. Uh, but it says here, and this is exactly what it says in the Geras that what your special mitzvah is going to be 
doesn't necessarily make sense. It's not like you look at the person and you look at his abilities and you look at his resources and then you put it through the computer and then the computer spits out, oh, this guy is going to be Zartve in davening. This guy's going to be Zartve in giving tzedakah. The Zartve that each one of us has is really kind of random and crazy. And you just sort of, as the Rebbe is going to explain, you have to trust Tashkacha Pratis. You have to trust divine providence where opportunities present themselves to you and you realize, hey, this has to be my Zahar Tvei. And it doesn't necessarily make sense what your Zahar Tvei is. And the Rebbe says here, this is the Alta Rebbe's uh, language in, in Igeras HaKadosh, that Shebechiras HaMitzvah Dechol Echod Eino Bebechines Tam Vedas Musog It's not something that necessarily makes sense. El Lamaile Bebechines Hadas It's above our ability to understand, that it just arose to Hashem's godly thought, which is beyond our thought. <laughs> and the example, metaphorically, of how you get your Zohar Tvei is a Geirol. You know what a Geirol is? It's a poor. <laughs> like the word Purim. It's a lottery. I just think that's really cool. And uh, yeah, and maybe this is an indication that there's some type of Zartve going on right here because that's above, definitely above my Tamvadas. That just kind of happened with Shkohapratis. Okay, so it's like a lottery. And, uh, you know, you can't predict what your Zartve is. You got to keep your eyes open and see, see where Hashem is leading you. So it's self-understood that to clarify what your individual Zohar Tvei is, in the, in, the, in the vast majority of cases, let's translate it that way, you just look, how is divine providence presenting itself to you? How is it, and, and, and then it's sort of like establishing a specialty for you, the mitzvah of Indian plainy in a particular mitzvah or thing, that must be the shar, we spoke about that before, the gate through which everything you're doing is going to go up to heaven and everything from heaven that the blessings coming down to you are going to come through it so it's not necessarily what you predict but when you look around how how divine providence is orchestrating the details of your life and presenting you with different opportunities and you kind of realize this is my thing by the way it's interesting um there are a couple of sikhs when i was reading this letter that this idea here reminded me of and i and i checked it out um one of them is a sikh of parshas pinchas it's in helic base of lakutis sikhas and it also mentions that girl thing uh, the the lottery thing which is uh because in parshas pinchas it talks about achba girl yechalakisa arets that when the bnei yisrael and the jews entered the land how did they apportion which Parts of the land should go to which tribe? It was done through a girl through a lottery. Um, so over there, the Rebbe speaks specifically about Zahir Tvei being a lottery, 
And uh, that Sicha is from Tezayin Tamos Tovshin Yud Base. So we're talking about three years before this letter. However, there's another Sicha that was eight years after this letter. Look at the Sicha's Chelek Gimel, Parshas Bereshis. And over there, it talks about similar ideas, specifically that when you have a Zohar because it's so potent and important, and because it's so central to your particular mission in this world, you end up facing resistance. Um, the example that I was giving there, it's a Sicha and Parshish Bereshis, about how Adam Arishan had one mitzvah, you had one job. <laughs> Adam, you had one job. And how could he have messed it up? And yet, when you have one job, now we have more than one job, we have 613 commandments and all the halachas that come from all those 613 commandments, so we have thousands of jobs, but we have a Zohar that qualitatively is the job that's sort of like the, the most pivotal for us. And therefore, there's going to be resistance. The other side that was set up by Hashem to challenge us is going to zero in on that mitzvah and give you some extra resistance in that area. Um, it explains, David Melech says in Kapitel uh, Kufiyotas, you know, the long Kapitel Kufiyotas 119, which the simple translation is, uh, Hashem make me wiser than my enemies. But Chassidus explains, from my enemies, I become wise. When I see the enemy zeroing in on a particular area, I realize only because he tipped his card, so to speak, I realized that it must have strategic importance to him. I didn't know it was strategic, but then I see he's trying to attack it, it must be important. So we're about to explain that when you have a Zohar Tvei, sometimes you experience a, uh, a disproportionate struggle in that area as well, once you know it. <laughs> Nothing could just be easy, but that's that's the nature of life. Okay. Moving Gamkein, so it's understood that the other side, and the Rebbe says, and if you want me to use a detailed expression, okay, to be more exact, for more more precise, the Yetzahara. The Rebbe doesn't like the word Yetzahara, but if you got to use it, to, you got to spell it out for you. Okay, I'm talking about the Yetzahara. I'm talking about your evil inclination, whose job is to mess with your head and ruin your life. Okay, so what's he going to do? So the, the, the other side, the Yetzirah knows that this is the special mitzvah for you. Because this, this area of specialization, it's not compartmentalized, it's not distinct from the rest of your, your Yiddishkeit. It actually enhances all of your other mitzvahs. So it's sort of like, you know, uh, toppling a house of cards. When you, you, you hit that, that card on the bottom, or you, know, you play that game, what's that game called? Uh, uh, Jenga. <laughs> you know, if you pull out the wrong uh, little uh, piece of wood, so the whole tower come tumbling down. So he knows that that's your Zohar Tvei, the bad guy knows. And, and this is, you could forbring about this for a whole night, your success in material affairs as well. Because, you see, in the Rebbe's worldview, your spiritual success and your material success are not two aspects of your life. They're one and the same thing. When you are 
progressing spiritually, that is the vessel to bring down blessings in your material life. So the Yetzirah knows if he can target you in this really important strategic area, he's going to mess you up not only spiritually, but also materially, because ultimately your material blessings are dependent on your, on your spiritual health. Shigam lezem and nagad Yetzirah. Yetzirah is going to oppose this. He's going to oppose this. He is the accuser or the uh, the prosecuting attorney. Therefore, the Yetzirah's main effort on this guy, who he's going to target him in this area, with this mitzvah, the Yetzirah will leave him alone and allow him to be mahadr, that means extra meticulous, extra scrupulous, with other mitzvahs, as long as the Yetzirah can be successful in averting him from that strategically important mitzvah. So it's very interesting. The, the Yetzirah will allow the guy to get away with progressing in other areas of his spirituality in, with the calculation that that will preoccupy him and uh, he can sort of distract, the Yitzhahara can distract the guy that he shouldn't zero in on that really important mitzvah. Now, here's another point. It's understood that if this person is, is God-fearing, the Yitzhahara cannot just show his face the way he is. The Yitzhahara is not going to come to him plainly and say, Sin. Because the guy won't listen to him. He'll say, hold on a second, you're the Yetzirah, right? Understand, the Yetzirah is an internal voice, and he sounds like you. He has he speaks to you in your own voice. So when you hear your own voice saying things that are obviously contemptuous toward Hashem, God forbid, so you can identify that very easily as not a good inclination and 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 resist it. So the, the Rebbe says, when this Yetzirah is going to come to you, you should know something. Um... He's not going to come to you in, a, in an obvious way. Because then you're not going to listen to him. In fact, you won't even argue with him because it's what he's trying to get you to do is so patently wrong. You're not even going to negotiate. We don't negotiate with terrorists. He won't be dissuaded, the Yetzirah. He's got a job. The straight path, the paved path in front of the Yetzirah, and by the way, you're not his first customer. He's been doing this a lot longer than you've been around. He knows the smooth way now to approach you. What's he going to do? Like the saying of the Rebbe Rashab, who is the father of my father-in-law, the previous Rebbe. Asheha Yetzirah that sometimes the Yetzirah mislabish lapamim belavush tzadik tamim onov balmidis teves. The Yetzirah will dress up like a righteous, pure, humble person of refined character. Ayin hayem yem lechof gimel sivin hey tovshin gimel. See the entry for hayem yem of chof gimel sivin. The Rebbe wrote a sefer where he compiled sayings of his Rebbe's father-in-law, and it's called Hayyim Yayim. Every single day of the year, there's another entry. It's a beautiful book. 
It takes 30 seconds to 90 seconds a day, and it plants a seed of light in your mind that will just expand there all day long and just change how you experience life. I call it a seed of light because that's actually the subtitle of the book. Yeah, the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, gave the title to the Rebbe and the subtitle. Hayyem Yayim, from day to day. It's a calendar for every day of the year. And the subtitle is Luach or Zerua Chsidei Chabad. A calendar of implanted light, seeds of light for Chabad Chsidim. So the entry for Chav Gimel Sivan, and the Rebbe mentions the date, specifically Chav Gimel Sivan, over there it says that the Rebbe Rashab once said that, you know, I knew the Yetzahara would sometimes be a fruma Yetzahara. He would act pious. He would act religious. Then I found out it could even be a chassidish Yetzahara. He'll act chassidic in order to mess with you. By the way, again, hashkacha pratis. Do you know that the date Chof Gimel Sivan, which happens to be my daughter Tybel's birthday, happy birthday, Tybel, Chof uh, Gimel Sivan is mentioned in the Megillah. <laughs> Tonight's Purim. In the Megillah, yeah, Chav Gimel Sivan is the date that the king gave Mordechai permission to draft a royal edict that would counteract the royal edict that Haman had had the king write. So yeah, Chav Gimel Sivan. By the way, there's a sicha from, from the Rebbe Tuf Shin Mem Gimel, 1983, where Parsha Shlach, my bar mitzvah Parsha, Parsha Shlach, not 1983, uh, my bar mitzvah was 1987, but uh, Parsha Shlach, 1983, where the Rebbe spoke that Chav Gimel Sivan is a date where just like Mordechai was given permission by the king to write whatever edict he wanted, so every year in Chav Gimel Sivan, that power is in the world again. And every Jew, as the embodiment of Mordechai, gets permission from the king, meaning Hashem, to write whatever edict he wants. That's uh, the blank check day, Chav Gimel Sivan. Anyways, I think it's a really cool Ashkoch Pratis that this Hayyem is Chav Gimel Sivan, and tonight we just... Uh, where we had the Purim Suda and we heard the Megillah today where it talks about Chav Gimel Sivan. You can't make this stuff up. Okay, at any rate, uh, let's continue and we'll finish off. So, V'chosaf Hashem Zreya Kadshay, Hashem has revealed His mighty arm, Begilui Toiras HaChsidis, through revealing the teachings of Chsidis, meaning to say that before the Baal Shem Tev, a lot of stuff was unknown. Before the Baal Shem Tov revealed what he revealed, these were secrets. I mean, they're called Tzaydis HaToyda for a reason. They're called secrets of the Torah for a reason. They're secrets. They were secrets. So Hashem allowed, really in rather recent history, especially if you look at a Jewish timeline, you know, Jewish history is millennia. You're talking about relatively recent history that through Chassidus certain things became revealed. Asher Gilsa Chassidus came and revealed some of the tactics, the warfare tactics of the Yetzirah, that it works in this way, where if it knows you have a Zohar Tvei, and it does, it has great intelligence, uh, Yetzirah gets the best intelligence reports, and it knows what your Zohar Tvei is, and it's going to let you be Mahadr in other mitzvahs, as long as you don't ever get too good at your pivotal mitzvah, because it knows that that's the linchpin, and that's going to be the end of its job in trying to ruin your life. So now we have Chassidus, we know this, and this letter is reminding us. Now a person can understand where things are coming from and where they're heading. 
<laughs> That's an interesting way to say it. And he could be more careful about it than revealed evil. You know, something that's hidden evil is much more insidious and you have to be much more on your toes. And that's precisely what we're saying here. So, in other words, the Rebbe is saying about the Chesidish Yetzirah, sometimes the Yetzirah will come to the guy, and I don't know what this person wrote to the Rebbe, but the Rebbe is saying to him, sometimes the Yetzirah will come to you, not tell you to do an Aveda, because he knows if he tells you to do an Aveda, if he tells you to sin, not only you won't listen to him, you won't even respond to him. Like, get out of here. But, what, it, what he'll do instead is he'll come tell you to do a mitzvah. To add, to be mahadr, to do something above and beyond, beyond the letter of the law. Because it's an area that's not strategically important for your soul. And the whole reason the Yetzirah is doing that, dressing up as a chassid and talking to you about doing a hither mitzvah, is to take your attention away from your zahar tvei mitzvah, which is going to be the gate through which everything is going to succeed, materially and spiritually. So, I, again, I don't know what this person wrote to the Rebbe, but the Rebbe is sort of, it seems apparently, telling him, get your priorities straight and make sure that when you are allocating energy to different areas of spiritual growth, please keep in mind what Hashkachoprotes, what Divine Providence has revealed to you about your special role in the world. You know, don't, don't, don't be blind to the, the, the fate. I mean, it's not fate because it's Hashkacha Pratis, but what we call fate. Don't be blind to the, your, your destiny. Open your eyes and see that you've clearly been placed in a certain situation and you've been given a certain opportunity and you can't deny that. So please make sure that that area gets extra special attention and don't allow yourself to be distracted by other things, even good things. And that's really the, the point that I was making here. So like it's explained in the Gemara about the students of Rabbi Yehuda. This is in Brochus, the first chapter, beginning of the first chapter. A sin offering can be procured for a relatively small amount of money. But an Oshem Toloi, a uh, variable sin offering, costs two large coins. Achatis is when you know that you sinned and you have to make atonement for it. You buy a certain sacrifice. Oshem Toloi is you don't know if you did a sin. You had in front of you a piece of uh, kosher fat and a piece of prohibited fat, and you're not sure which one you ate. So you bring the variable sin offering. So the Gemara speaks there. Why do you spend less on a sacrifice when you know you sinned? Why does the Torah require you to spend more on a sacrifice when you know you've sinned than uh, on a sacrifice when you may, may, maybe you didn't even sin? Who says I even sinned? We just don't know what happened. Because with a chatas, you know you sinned. I know that I did it. Therefore, your regret will also be with a full heart. And therefore, it's enough that you have a relatively inexpensive sacrifice. 
But if you have this sacrifice for a circumstance of doubt, where you don't even know that you sin, even after you feel bad and you brought your korban, the Yitzhahara is going to placate you, and say to you, don't worry, you didn't sin. Yeah, that's a technicality that you have to bring that sacrifice. You ate kosher fat. Don't even worry. You didn't do anything bad. You didn't eat prohibited fat. Therefore, everything's fine. Go back to business as usual. No, you shouldn't go back to business as usual. It should shake you up that you were even in a situation where you don't know if you were eating kosher fat or prohibited fat. And to impress that upon us, the Gemara says, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of sacrificial offering, specifically has to cost more. You know, you hit them where it hurts, in the pocketbook. You make that Corbin, that sacrifice, cost more money to impress upon the person the fact, no, 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 it's not a, it's not a small matter that you were in a situation of doubt. That's why in this case of the Hashem Tolui, the, the sacrifice is much more expensive than the case of certain guilt. And the Rebbe is comparing this again to the idea of, I don't think the Rebbe is saying the person did anything wrong necessarily, but that the psychology here of placating yourself and saying, everything's fine, everything's good, I'm okay. And it seems in context, what the Rebbe is saying is the person is convincing himself, look, I'm being mahadr in mitzvahs, I'm, I'm growing spiritually. Yeah, 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 but... What about your Zahar Tvei? So there are these, these lines that we tell ourselves to placate ourselves, but really that's coming from the Yetzirah who's just trying to get us not to pay attention to the one thing that's super important for us. Very interesting spiritual psychological insight, which I'm sure has applications uh, in all of our lives. Okay, that's the end of our second letter tonight. And I will wish you all a very peaceful, restful Shabbos. I want to mention also, please check out 30 Letters, 30 Days. Is it 30 Days, 30 Letters, 30 Letters, 30 Days? I keep messing it up. What is it? What's the website called? 30 Days, 30 Letters? Why do I keep saying it wrong? Uh, Check them both. And uh, over there, you know what's funny? I was the one who made them change the name of the URL. Because... (laughs) I said one of them made more sense than the other. Now I can't even remember which one it was. Check out the website, uh, 30 Letters, 30 Days. That's what it is, 30letters30days.com. And there is a new resource that's going to be posted, which is a Shabbos table discussion companion, where you can print out a PDF and bring it to your Shabbos table, and it will remind you of what all the letters were about over the past week. And it has discussion questions, which you can use to invite your family, whether they watched the classes or they didn't watch the classes, or you want to maybe open your booklet and read to them the letters at the Shabbos table, but there are discussion questions there you can use to get some nice dialogue going and really take these letters personally as intended. Okay, good Shabbos.